TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Magnuson Ford. One minute west of Seven Oaks Shopping Center in beautiful downtown Abbotsford. Online at magnusonford.com. Time to go rink wide on TSN 1040. Now, here's J.D. Berg and Andrew Wadden. Welcome to Rink Wide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. Two hours of the best hockey talk in the city. And boy, do we have a jam-packed show. We have the number one, the top of the athletic power rankings. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Tiny Thomas Drans. Yep. Coming up. Wait, hold on. He's at the top of your your rankings now. Nah, I'm just Did going along with it. I don't want to be a, a nuisance. Yeah, I would hate to be a yeah, nuisance you're, you, at ten forty. You would hate being that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Thomas Durant's going to join us at the bottom of this hour. We're going to do an audience mailbag at two o'clock. Get your questions in, your comments in. You can also take phone calls during that segment. That's coming up at two o'clock. Ten forty forty is the text line. Uh, you can also email us live at tsn ten forty dot ca. And Amanda Stein's going to join us from the New Jersey Devils. She's the in-house reporter with the team. And uh, well, we're going to get the four-on-one on what's happening in the in New Jersey. The most uninspiring end to what appeared to be one of the more progressive and inspiring hiring processes in the NHL. Like all you heard were big names. All you heard were some of the more creative, progressive minds in hockey. And then you land on. Lindy Ruff. <laughs> Lindy Ruff. And I was Tom taken aback by it. I was. I was. Well, Tom Fitzgerald. I. I. From what I understand, from talking to people that are you know around the NHL, they they say he was ready. It was his time. Our good buddy Lawrence Gilman sure. went, went was one of the final candidates as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunate that LG didn't get the job. Fortunate for the Toronto Maple Leafs to be able to keep him because, uh, as you know, that uh, here it comes. Well, he look at least so behind on it. Yeah. Don't even bother now. You moved yeah, it. No, don't you even. Moved it yeah, I did the, move it on you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It's setting a little I get a pass. You want okay, to give it go? Just go. Holy it usually scares me, though, when, when, when I'm not looking at it's you. It's funny. I completely, like, it slipped my mind. I was reading the inbox for half a <laughs> second, and then you're like, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> you got to give me credit. I was over here scrambling. Yeah, yeah, out. yeah. I mean, A for effort, right? Yeah, B for nice try. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to talk to Amanda and get, get her side of events. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the one thing that I will say I heard. I mean, the Peter Laviolette one, as I understand it, came down to dollars. It came down to term, and they weren't able to reach an agreement, and I... And and frankly, that doesn't surprise me too much just because, well, the NHL, just like every other business, is hurting right but now. But like Peter Laviolette, like is, <laughs> the pool of NHL head coaches is so small. Like when is there going to be the next guy to break Don't you know, Andrew, there are only 35 <laughs> people in the entire world who are oh. qualified to coach NHL teams. And then, and then they all come from north america it's um, a really weird coincidence yeah it's so weird right? yeah like <laughs> do swedish people just not want to coach in north america I, one wonders okay so jd i'm doing it right now i'm actually writing on twitter as uh i speak 
Yeah, I forgot, up? and uh, you know me and my memory. It's not that, all that that good sometimes, right? I'm, I'm surprised you recognize <laughs> me when I show up every Saturday. <laughs> like, I open the door, and it's... You are... Yeah. 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 Um, Rick Dollywall. So at the start of Sports Saturday, yeah. uh, we're doing a crossover with Mayanek, and Mayanek said, you know, you always have a, a good poll question. What's yeah. going to be? And I said, well, you know what? Because I usually relate Sports Saturday and Rinkwide together and do a poll that sort of fits the two together... I don't feel like this one is a part of Sports Saturday, so I'm going to wait. Too good for Sports until Saturday. Until rink-wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so we're going to do it. We're doing the poll that we talked about. And right. I had a texter ask us, where it is it? Because I want to want to get in on it. Yeah. So I'm going to put it up. I'll, 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 I'm, you can talk, and I'll, and I'll, I'll write it. But basically, it's going to be the, the poll question, who's more annoying? Oh, we've actually got a great text in the inbox on this one. Well, How can we, I can I say what it is first? Yeah, sorry, I just got I know, so you get, focused you get in. Jumping I was, in there. Yeah, laser focus. That's me. Who's more annoying? As I smack the table, you yeah, know yeah. when I do that. Yeah, I, I mean business when I'm. You know the that table. that ad with the um, this is an old one. It's a deep cut. The oh. Samsonite ad with the luggage, and they put it in a, a cage with a gorilla. And yes, yes. Okay, that's me. you you are the Samsonite gorilla, yes. just arms yeah, flailing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the poll question is going to be who's more annoying, yourself or Matt Sakaris? We talked about it on the PM Drive show yesterday. <laughs> did you Matt, actually? Matt, Matt asked me, he's like, Andrew, Andrew, did you ever consider feelings? And I said, you know what, Matt? No. <laughs> Not once did I consider your feelings. <laughs> so I'm going to write this right now. Wait, we'll so you actually out. talked about that? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, did. I was wondering because yeah. you sent me the, the, the clip yesterday and it's like, obviously, JD is the most annoying. And I'm like, what, what the hell? Like, I'm just, I'm chilling. Like, I, I haven't even checked my social media in a half hour. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm vibing. And next right. thing you know, I've got this slander thrown at me. Now I understand. Should I write Matthew or Matt? Uh, let's write. Let's just write Matt. I like Matthew. I know if we're it's... talking about how annoying he is. I think that that for me makes a lot of well, sense. Ugh, I can't like put... when he's being annoying. I think he's Matthew. Like okay. when, when he's pretending that he's Walter Cronkite, he's being Matthew. Okay, break break it. I, I think I should put Matt. He says Matthew. What do you think, Croker? Uh, I would actually say Matthew because okay. it's more pretentious. Done. Yeah, Done. exactly. Done. All right. Uh, it's gone up right now. There it is. Poll question: Who is more annoying, so who, JD Burke or Matthew? Sikaris? Who got um, the vote yesterday? Then, if you were talking about this on the PM Drive show, like where well, where did people land? Well, I think the inbox was a. Uh, you're, you're both getting love. Yeah, put it yeah, that for way. Sure. I feel like, and Manek brought this point up as well, or maybe it was Brooke Ward. Actually, Brooke, Brooke said this that I'm more handsome. No, he did not say that at all. Um, but he did say that he feels that on a Saturday you're probably going to win it. Because, you know, people are hearing you, they hear how annoying you are, you know, whereas Monday to Friday, they can hear how annoying Sakaris is. What's that, 20 hours a week? Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is I just imagine Trev at home right now. By the way, four votes in, you're up 100% right now. Hell yeah. Make that, <laughs> oh, no, make that five. Uh, I just imagine Trev at home right now creating like 15 burner accounts to vote for me like over and creating? over. Creating? He's already got them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Half of them follow me. Uh, so Well, they have to to keep up with you. Yeah. Jeez. So, I mean, like this is the this is a great poll and we're going to have to get Hold on, though. Like, where do I go with this? Where do like, you? Where do I go with this? Oh, here we got uh, we got some some conversation Getting... going in the text inbox. We've got Sakaris by the Russian Mile in Siberia in a dead winter storm. Points for creativity. How is this even a poll? Both are annoying, but the thing for Sakaris is it's an act. 
JD is just a jerk, <laughs> and worse, he doesn't even recognize it. Well, okay, listen, I'm going to defend my boy Sakaris by the way I voted. <laughs> I love how you jump. It's like way worse for me. And you're like, actually, hold up. I need to defend Sakaris. Well, Sakaris isn't actually all that annoying. It, it, or, or, it's, not, it's not an oh, act for Sakaris. Oh, come on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not an act, though. Okay, but he is annoying. Oh, hell yeah, he's annoying. But he would say the same thing about me, though. Yeah. And he'd probably be right. Yeah, well, at a certain point, I think Matthew would have to ask, like, is it everyone else or is it me? <laughs> It's not, I'm telling you, though, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it's not a shtick. Hey, look at this. There you go. JDB is must-listen radio. Definitely Sakaris, not even close. JD rocks. What, like, Tell your family you're, that your mom and your dad texting in right no, now. No, they've or? disowned me. Oh, um, that doesn't surprise me either. <laughs> you know what, though? It's uh, it's pretty cool. I was actually like this, this JD rocks. It reminds me. I was on uh, I was out on Tuesday, and I was just hanging out. Um, hanging out on the beach and i had somebody yell at me jd rule shut up yeah yeah shut up yeah actually oh man it was, it was oh. like so embarrassing people too. don't do this like his ego's already big enough he has to turn sideways to get in the studio these days because his head's so big just don't don't pump the tires uh, don't do the. Uh, you know what? Like I'm the actual man. Roberto of the Luongo, people. Tim Thomas. Like a lot of you, you, you people at TSN, you think like being a man of the people is speaking to like the you 40 people at TSN. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think yeah. that being a man of the people is speaking <laughs> to like a 45 year old <laughs> in Oakley shades who gets excited by a trip to Lowe's? I didn't hear anything you said there. Uh, why isn't Wadden an option? Quinn, the beer league plug, is saying that. Yeah, sure. You, you write me in, I guess, if you want. There is comments underneath. You can do that. I think I would lose in a landslide to that, though. Yeah, you know what? Like, don't get me wrong. I could talk about me for the next oh, yes. hour and 48 minutes, yes. but why don't we get to some of the, the yeah, items? That week. being said, Croker, it's time to drop the puck. Time to drop the puck and get updated on the top stories of the past week. Somebody else asking why I'm not on that list. Because I'm not in the same... I'm annoying, but I'm not in, like, the echelon Ooh, of those we've, guys. We've actually got two write-in votes for Wadden. Yeah, well... Yeah, I'm surprised that you actually don't land as as annoying in the same degree that Karis and I do, just because, like, most people communicate Wadden just... Oh, I yell and I, and I hit the desk and... Uh. I mean, it, like, it annoys me. It sounds like Moj, by the way. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so let's talk about Sven Berchi. Sven Berchi yes. is the first Vancouver Canuck to opt out... Opt out... Yes. Of the play-in tournament with the Vancouver Canucks, as reported by Rick Dollywall at 3.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning, <laughs> or is it a Friday night? Because I feel like there's that window between midnight and 3, where it's still the night like, of the previous okay. day. So you I, know what I'm saying? I, I picture him in his basement, in his underwear, hopefully two, uh, two unders. It's a great underwear, by the way. With the Crown Royal bottle beside him. Oh, yeah, And yeah. just working the phone. Yeah. Just working that phone. And, and and then like not even realizing like looking up from the phone after his you know fifth or sixth crown royal yeah looking up from the phone and realizing holy crap it's three o'clock in the morning yeah yeah and yeah totally. you just broke a story yeah <laughs> I mean we love to see it we really do and we're seeing it more and more and I think that this makes sense I mean like if you're if you're Sven Berchi to what do you owe the privilege of your time in this this COVID cup like. The, the Canucks have proven time and again this season that he's out of the picture. But he's kind of opened the door for himself to be back in Utica next year. 
and, and not, like, that wasn't going to change. Wasn't like that wasn't going to change. Yeah, there, I mean, there's there, there's an argument for like that. Jim but Benning, if we take him at his word, said mm-hmm. that Reed Boucher was a consideration before Sven Berchi. Like he has fallen off of the the team's depth chart. Yeah, they they uh, they really don't want anything to do with Sven anymore. Which is interesting because if you look at his cap hit, yeah, at three three six, that's a tough one to move. Yeah. Because if, if you are, you know, per se perceived as a, let's say, middle six for him, I don't really consider him bottom six. Because he's not a fourth liner. Well, he's proven that he can play with Bo Horvat. Yeah. Like, he like can, he, he's proven that he can play in a top six role. But a 3 3 6, when you're, you're looking at, you know, possibly a, a third line player with the way the salary cap is not moving, there's not going to be a lot of teams lining up for that. No, no, of course not. And that's, you can just add it to the list. Like, that's one of what? 10. <laughs> you know, contracts on this team oh, that wow. are just nigh unmovable. Okay. I mean, okay, it, well, hold on. It, it's rough, man. Well, it's well, rough. Well, hold on. That brings us now to our next topic then. <laughs> slowest whistle in the NHL. Still the slowest whistle in the NHL. That whistle is going to cost someone a Stanley Cup one day. Yeah. It's so slow. You're going to be on thin ice if you don't thin watch it, Thin ice, Croker. We'll replace you with uh, Andy Cole. Yeah. The A-Dog. Or- I mean, if, if we look at this team right now, you go Erickson. Cannot be moved. You go Brandon Sutter. Cannot be moved. And there's people out there that are like, oh, no, we could just move Sutter. Jay Beagle. Cannot be moved. Yeah. Alexander Edler. Cannot be moved. Tyler Myers. Cannot be moved. If Christopher Tanev even had an additional year on his current AAV, could not be moved. Where are you at with Jordy Ben? Because I talked to uh, uh, Drancer earlier this morning before Sports Saturday. We're going to talk to him today uh, on this show. But I was just picking his brain about salary cap stuff and going over his piece that was on, uh, released on The Athletic. I mentioned Jordy Ben as a potential right-side guy. We've talked yeah. about this on the show before. He's had success being a right-side guy, even though he's a left-shot defenseman in Montreal. Doesn't seem like Travis Green wants to use him that way. When I talked to Drancer about that this morning, and I suggested, you know, perhaps this could be their defense moving forward, and I had Ben on the right side, he said, no, 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 they're going to move him. Well, they're going to try. And, and I thought to myself... Is that going to be that easy? And we'll talk to Drancer about this as well when he's coming up in, in about 14 minutes. But is that going to be that easy with no. a guy? Because $2 million in now this you know, uh, salary cap where it doesn't move, like, yeah, th- and he's your seventh guy? Are you going to pay that much? I, I don't know. I question whether he's got any sort of uh, market value. I, I think that ultimately he's going to end up being bought out. Like, that's the only avenue available to the Canucks. I mean, it saves them about... A million dollars against next year's cap. It saves them about 500k against the next one. And I mean, frankly, it's all about rescuing next season. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the Canucks cap picture, it actually doesn't look so grim once you get two, three years down the road, right? Yeah. Like a lot of these albatross well, contracts. Well, it, it also depends on where you know what sort of number they can get for for Patterson and, and Hughes, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's like you you don't even have to think about that one, right? It's whatever they want. Here's a check. Are you sure? Pretty much like that. I don't I mean, know. Drancer and I, t- and we'll we'll talk about it with Drancer. We talked about that earlier this morning, and that you know he feels that maybe there'll be some hardball played a bit with Hughes, which would be interesting. Well, I mean, is Hughes going to have any leverage? No, because he went the college route, and that's going to put him in the same camp as Brock Besser. That's going to put him in the same. Well, camp. I, I don't think if you're going to look at within the team. I think you got to look at comparables around. No, the no, league. no. I'm saying in terms of the designation under the CBA. Oh, Remember, sure. Brock Besser wasn't uh, wasn't 
uh, he he couldn't have been offered an offer sheet. Yeah, and that uh, meant 10-2-C is 10-2-C, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Quinn Hughes is going to have the exact same designation, which means that he has absolutely no leverage in this situation other than withholding his labor. There's really nothing he can do. Yeah. Are uh, we good with that? If we move on to the next? Sure. Let's All right. Travis Hamannick, not going to play for the Calgary Flames. I heard his name suggested, by the way, in, in, a, in a trade rumor for the Canucks this week. Not from anybody. A, a trade rumor? Not from anybody in yeah, like, they're, they're, NHL they're front offices. Acquire Just heard uh, this. Travis Hamannick, who I, is an expiring UFA. I've heard this. I've heard this. I, how, or sorry, going after him. Going me. after. Okay, I, th- I was so confused yeah, for a sorry, second. I, I was like, he's trade. an expiring. But I mean, at twenty nine, at twenty nine years old, and he just put together a terrible out? season in Calgary. Yeah, like things have not gone well in Calgary. Yeah. So what's the impetus? Uh, people suggesting that maybe he would be good fit here. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about this, the the subject at hand, though. You know, opting out with the Flames right now. Uh, again, you know. We're not supposed to be judging these guys for doing this. I mean, if it's something you feel uncomfortable, then they should have the right to do it. Mm -hmm. But in the Berchi argument, though, if he is using it, well, listen, these guys aren't going to play me anyway, So, and they screwed me this year, are you okay with that being being the cause, if that's what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, what does he owe this franchise? Like, they, they, they've treated him terribly. This is somebody who they deemed too concussed to hold any value in spite of the fact that he actually played well down the stretch to finish last year. And this is how consistent their internal logic is. Sven Berchi is too concussed. But Michael Furland, who six months prior to signing his contract with the Vancouver Canucks, is not? And and you're going to give him four years? And Rick Dollywall was talking about it during Sports Saturday. Usually I tune it out, but when you have a guest on, I should listen, right? So I was listening to him talk about the Michael Furlan contract, and he's right. The Canucks were the only team that was going to offer four years. Yeah. St. Louis was in on the bidding. Calgary was as well. Vancouver won because they were willing to go with that fourth year. And now here we are. And now here we are. <laughs> Which is a place that... And now you're looking at a situation where, gee, kind of feels like the Canucks would be better off if they didn't invest that fourth year. Yeah. But, I mean, the internal logic there is just completely, you know, it's a team that's twisted themselves in a pretzel. I mean, like, you, you think about the Sven Berchi situation, too. It's not like he's a, a grinder. It's not like he's going into the corners, digging out pucks. It's not like he's getting into fights. Michael Furland is and had a worse track record of concussions. You know, I, I thought about the Brock Besser report from Walter Cronkite yesterday, and it reminds me of one of my favorite PatCast bits. Okay. The No Plan Plan. And it just feels like this team is in this endless loop where everything revolves around a three-week window that is subject to change, even within that span, right? Like, how how have we gone from a year ago, Brock Besser is a core piece that we want to lock up for the foreseeable future of this franchise to, oh, wow. We're in dire straits with the cap. We got to get him out of here. Maybe we should trade Brock Besser. Like, like how how did that happen? (laughs) Does that speak to an organization with a long-term plan? I think you know the answer to that, but uh, we'll let the audience figure that out on their own. Uh, Lindy Ruff, we mentioned him, new head coach, New Jersey Devils. Going to talk to Amanda Stein about that in the uh, second hour of the show. When the hiring was announced, I was like, really? Like, Lindy Ruff for 
you know, this young core of, of players, is, is, is he going to be the right guy? Well, there are some that believe, and I, I touched on this a bit in the crossover, I think, that for one, there was the issue of finances. And New Jersey has always been kind of in the middle of the road with regards to the financial health of their organization. There are some who believe that Lindy Ruff was the most amenable to working within the analytics department that is well-established within New Jersey and has a serious amount of pull within that ownership group, within that front office. And Gerard Gallant, we know how he feels about data-driven analysis, right? Uh, the stories of him throwing out analytics reports in Florida. I don't think that was ever going to jive. And I think you look at Peter Laviolette, well, they couldn't afford him. Now things get a little bit more interesting. Who's left? You know, and but the pool's got to be so much bigger than than what it is right now. There, there's there's got to be somebody out there. I mean, you're you're around, you know, junior hockey or you know, who's the I, next? I could who's name the next guy that's Mike Hastings, know? out of Minnesota State. Like I love watching his teams play hockey. Mm-hmm. Give him a job, you know, or or even go to to Switzerland and steal Ricard Gronberg. Why not? Why not? Like. Again, is it's what a strange coincidence that only 30 people on the entire planet are qualified <laughs> to be head coaches, and they all happen to hail from North America. And even to shrink the sample further, we're talking about a group that somehow, by some strange coincidence, all hails between 50 and 70 years old. Yeah. Weird. Weird. I wonder if there are any internal hiring biases in the NHL. We did see a little bit of it a few years ago when uh, Jim Montgomery got... Tri- um uh, brought into the league, but it seems to be a little less and less now, and it's going back to that old boy boys club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like hockey is that's it's baked in. Yeah. What when you look at this uh, roster for the Devils, do you feel like Lindy Ruff's the right guy? I I don't think there's any roster in the NHL that I would label as a Lindy Ruff roster, wow. and I think that's just because I mean look look at the results he has engendered with the New York Rangers holding control over their defensive group you know like that team has posted some porous abysmal defensive results in the time since he took over that part of their bench it's not like he earned this yeah your buddy Tony D'Angelo plays on that team as well I'm gonna be a guest on his podcast oh that would I'd actually listen to that yeah uh Judd Brackett your buddy as well uh headed to uh, Minnesota good for him and sort of yeah but you look at uh you look at the way they've drafted over the last... I, I looked it up. Their last three drafts, they haven't had one player play. And they've got 22 players in three drafts. Well, uh, in fairness to them on that front, right? Like, I think if you're looking at a third... Or, sorry, a first-round pick, you're looking at somebody after 15th overall who's going to be on a trajectory of two to three years. Sure. And then you look at some of the players taken afterward. I mean, like, Alexander Kovanov, who was a third-round pick in 2018, is on the trajectory for the NHL. Matthew Boldy bounced back really nicely in the back half of last year. Like, I think there's there's some stuff to work with, right? I also haven't been especially fond of their work. I think they could draft a lot better, but that's why they went out and hired Judd in the midst of a hiring freeze, right? And you know what? I, I've been speaking with people close to close to Judd, speaking with league sources it was believed even a month or two ago that seattle was like done yeah i i shouldn't probably tell you this but i used one of your clips in my uh, best of the week <coughs> sorry <coughs> yeah i, mean, I don't know like if that's it, best of the week but i used one of your clips in best of the week yeah, because five. um uh, 
um, no, it was the Seattle. It, angle. Was, it was considered a done deal as recently as like a month or so two. So give us give us some info on that. You must know some more, or is it just? Well, it, it seems as simple as Bill Guerin swept in at the last moment and yeah. put the full court press on. My understanding is that Seattle thought they had a lot more time than they did. They assumed that that Judd. I mean, even with a reputation as sterling as his, would have a difficult time finding work in the midst of a pandemic. Well, they played their cards poorly, and they suffered that decision. They thought that they could have waited until September. Bill Guerin aggressively uh, moved in and and apparently spoke to him as soon as his contract expired with the Canucks and moved heaven and earth to make it happen. And that's that's a unforced error on the part of Seattle. And 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 I think the degree to which it's an unforced error too is important because. Look, that's a team that's going to build through the draft. They're going to have, what, 30 picks at minimum over the first three years of their franchise? That's a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple more items on our list here, but uh, which is good, because now we're getting a lot more news around the NHL. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll tell you what, we'll pose those uh, to Thomas Drance yeah. on the other side. Number one in the athletic power rankings, according to J.D. Burke. You know, Harm's going to be pissed off about that, by the way. Yeah, well, he betrayed me, so... Well, you got a lot of uh, gripes, eh? Like you no, know, around, I, I, around the city, like even your, man. your own friends, even or maybe I use that loosely. Yeah, who said I have friends? That's true. Thomas Trance, other side, rink wide, show that always scores. TSN 1040. Now more of rink wide on TSN 1040. Here's JD Burke and Andrew Watt. Welcome to Rink. Welcome back to Rinkwide. That is <laughs> the show that always scores. Sometimes I wish we could just play what we're talking about in the. Oh break, yeah, in, in the break. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if that one would have went over all that well. I mean, like it would fit with my <laughs> aesthetic. You know. Hey, I got a couple of uh, write-in votes, by the way. You did. Yeah, you did. And if you guys are wondering what we're talking about, just uh, tuning in right now, maybe driving around, enjoying your Saturday. We asked you today in our poll question: Who's more annoying, JD Burke? Matthew Sakaris. The and interesting thing about this too is it's very much a Rorschach test in a way because like I think we're annoying in different ways. Like Sakaris is annoying because he thinks that, you know, like I keep calling him Walter Cronkite. <laughs> like he he thinks that he is one of these reporters that has been venerated. And, and what as do a you truth. think you are, JD? No, no, I, I'm I'm the flippant bad boy. Like always <laughs> oh in trouble, God. always pissing people off. It's it's two different sides of the same coin. Oh boy! But you, well, the, wait, wait. Where did you expect me to go with that? Yeah, I suppose. But uh, bad boy, eh? You're the bad boy. You're the bad boy at TSN. Are you like the Fonz of TSN? I got the hair for it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Drancer, come into the conversation. Tell us who you think is more annoying, J.D. Burke or Matthew Sakaris. Well, first of all, since the Fonzie has been brought up, hey. 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 Whoa, we're doing radio over here. I'm surprised he even knows who Fonzie Fonzie is. Like, apparently the world started in what? When were you born? 2000? Something like that? Yeah, and apparently the world ended in the 80s for you. No, no. Uh, 90, 95. 95. Best year ever. I, uh, this week, you know, I made the regrettable decision to, you know, bomb the take five yes. segment. You know, yes. I was I was upset that I'd lost six nothing to Blake, so I called <laughs> in and pretended to be someone else, uh, and then revealed myself. And I was just sort of thinking of it as like this is like a wrestling heel moment. But of course, Massacaris refused to consider my vote, made objectively on the basis of the argument, um, and and sort of had it tossed out. But before I started talking there was a previous judge who was describing seeing an eagle in the sky. And if you go back and listen to this audio, it starts about 
29 minutes into hour four of Thursday's episode of Sakaris and Price, Matt's reaction to this description of an eagle flying in the sky is so majestic. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. For that reason alone, Matt, you get my vote. There you go. Yeah, Walter Cronkite. Well done, well done. Also, if I vote against Matt Sakaris, he has it thrown out. So obviously I'm voting for him every time now. Fair. (laughs) Honestly, though, Drancer, I kind of knew that I had to throw it out because he was going to get super pissy if I didn't. Wait, wait, wait. Sakaris was going to get pissy? Yeah, exactly. Andrew, Andrew. Exactly. And then you know I got to go to appeals court and all that stuff. I, I just so I don't I don't want any part of that. No, no. Um, so majestic. It's so majestic. Uh, the Canucks don't want any part of Sanberchi, or at least it seemed that way uh, this year. And now Sanberchi doesn't want any part of them, or at least it seems that way as he's opted out of the return to play. Uh, your thoughts on that? And uh, where do you see the future for Sanberchi and the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, you know, look, it's an interesting situation, and until we know more about what's gone down here exactly, you know, I, I want to be very careful about commenting on it at, at too great a length because, you know, I'm a team, respect anyone who decides not to compete in, you know, what essentially is a grand experiment. Like, can we safely play an indoor contact sport in which, you know, everyone sweats in their gear <laughs> safely during a pandemic like i don't i don't think we really know yet right and anyone who's withdrawing from that competition regardless of their reasons you know i'm team make sure that they're not judged make sure that there's no sort of uh, scrutiny above and beyond understanding that no one has the full picture here everyone's sort of flying a little bit by the seat of their pants i think the league's done what they can to proceed as safely as possible but nonetheless, you know, I think it's completely reasonable to have concerns about participating for any number of reasons. The thing that's interesting to me is you can go back on my Twitter feed and you can go back and read the column I wrote on Thursday in which I confirmed that the Canucks had 34 people in Vancouver who, you know, were essentially going to make up their training camp roster accounted for. And Berchu was among them. And, you know, so I do think that this has come as a bit of a surprise uh, you know, it, we'll see sort of what his reasoning was when he decides to discuss the matter and we'll sort of go from there. But, you know, in terms of the long-term outlook for Berchu with the Canucks, I don't think this changes much. I think this has always been sort of unfolding along uh, predictable lines, which is that, you know, I think the Canucks he's sort of regarded Berchu as a player that they'd outgrown in, in where they're at in their development cycle as a team. Uh, you know, his contract was obviously difficult to move. Uh, they're likely to try again. They're willing to retain to move him. Uh, you know, I've, that's been true for months. And we'll sort of see if they can figure out a creative solution or if they have to ultimately buy him out. And, you know, because Berchi's cap hit is 2.3, roughly, when you bury it in the minors, it's really like 2.29, but, you know, who's keeping track? The... Because of that, the benefit of buying him out is only like 600k, and the benefit of trading him if you retain half of his salary is also only about 600k. So, I mean, the margins are relatively thin, but I do think this is one where, for the benefit of both sides, it does make sense to find a solution that sends Berchi on his way. Could you foresee if it's a scenario where, for example, we've seen in the past players have had their contracts mutually terminated? I think this happened with, was it Zach Bogosian this year? 
Yeah. Uh, it's ex- exceedingly rare. Uh, a lot of the times it involves a GM framing one of his players like Mike Richards. But uh, could you foresee a scenario where something like that takes place with Sven Berchi? Maybe not the framing, but the termination of the contract. Yeah, I'm reluctant to. I'm reluctant to even comment until we walk that part of it back. Uh, look, the, uh, could I see that occurring? Maybe, uh, but Berchi's owed 2.4 million in salary on the last year of his deal, and in this hockey economy, I don't think he can necessarily make that up. Um, you know, probably without good fortune, right? I, I mean, it's very possible that Sven Berchi is never a multi-million-dollar player again at the NHL level, uh, especially in a flat cap scenario, and especially considering how the last 18 months of his career have unfolded, not to mention his long track record of injuries, including head injuries, right? So, you know, I I don't know that I would expect that to be the route that gets taken here. And one thing that I'd be sort of interested in, and it was posed to me on Twitter, someone in my DMs just sort of asked me, they said, you know, if the, does this... Would would the decision to withdraw make it more difficult for the Canucks to buy him out, for example, um, you know, because it could be grieved potentially as being, you know, uh, sort of in response to his decision to withdraw, something that's been collectively bargained as a right that the players have and are, are permitted to exercise. I, I suspect it wouldn't because it's so apparent from him clearing waivers uh, two times during the season and, and the team only using him a couple of times and sort of opting to call other players up. Uh, you know, I think I think this has been clear for a while where this relationship is going, and uh, and again, I I just think overall, you know, with uh, overall with how this is most likely to play out, I still think it's a buyout or a retained salary transaction that's most likely going to guide this. I would be stunned by a mutual termination, especially considering the salary still due Berchi in the last year of his deal. Well, that's just one aspect of an extremely tricky situation for Jim Benning and co. this summer, looking at a flat cap scenario, looking at a mm-hmm. potential for a lot of, of upheaval within that roster. And, and there are two challenges for this team, as far as I'm concerned. It's how do they maintain the, the, the core of this group, obviously, mm-hmm. and how do they yep. improve, right? How do they yes. stay on this upward trajectory, especially in a scenario where potentially they could find themselves in a situation where they have to surrender next year's first-round pick. I mean, it's unlikely, but we have to allow for the possibility. You wrote an article on this where you modeled a bunch of different outcomes for this roster. Can you maybe expand on that and kind of take us through your thought process? I mean, there's a lot there, so the floor is yours for a couple minutes here. Yeah, no. The Look, I, I wanted to model it because I think a lot of the time, and myself included, we talk about salary cap space, but we're not getting really into the weeds. We're not talking about well, if they defer this, they'll have 17.15 you know, in cap space to sign six players, right? And what, what does that really mean in a world where you've got pending UFAs like Markstrom, Toffoli, Tanev, guys who should have you know, a fair bit of market value even in this hockey economy? And a bunch of key RFAs, guys like Godet, Bertan, and uh, Troy Stetcher, you know, three players who, depending on your mileage, right, could be considered part of this young core or not. And so, you know, there's going to be some really tough challenges, especially with the flat cap and especially because of a variety of inefficient deals at the bottom, toward the bottom end of the Canucks roster. And all of this is occurring in a scenario where you, where you are facing, you know, you're staring down the barrel, essentially, of some really critical second contract negotiations for Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. That, you know, those, the outcome of those negotiations is going to shape the near-term future of this franchise. So... You know, it's all sort of <laughs> very tricky, and, and it's going to be 
extraordinarily interesting to see how the Canucks handle it. Now, I do think that it's an interesting thing to note that the Canucks' sort of overall cap situation is most crunchy in the immediate future. Like, it's next season that I think you really have to worry about. Because even in a flat cap environment, like, you know, if, if readers go to The Athletic and read my article, for example, it, it sort of goes through a set of assumptions. And, like, one of them is $25.5 million extensions for Mark Storm and Foley, right? I didn't just do one-year deals for them. Like, I projected it out, right? This is information that I'm using. I've got it on spreadsheets. I've got it in the armchair GM model at capfriendly.com. Like, you know, this is information that I'm using to project the Canucks cap and sort of build a model for five years, not for one year. And the way that my model sort of runs it, you know, the year after next, the Canucks will have $25 million in available cap space. Yeah, Edler and, you know, the likes of uh, Tanner Pearson are expiring then. And, you know, maybe you'd like to keep them both, but, you know, more than anything, like in that scenario too, you've got Louis Erickson with one year left. And after his signing bonus is paid out, like a, a mil in actual salary and six mil in terms of his cap hit, like that becomes a movable contract, I think at that point, uh, for example. So, you know, I, I really sort of see this team as having some decent flexibility over the near term. It's just the immediate future, this, this next offseason, that's going to be really crunchy and it's going to test a regime, uh, I think. And, and for this reason in particular, too, like you look at the Canucks' performance this season and you look at career years across the board, you look at the performance of their special teams and especially that second power play unit that was extraordinarily potent in terms of its results, but probably not in terms of its overall sort of uh, attacking profile when you look at the expected goals and the underlying numbers. Um, you know, I see some sort of grounds for regression with the Canucks next season, but considering where this team's at in their development cycle, considering the expectations in this market, I don't think staying still is going to sort of cut the mustard as it were. And, and I think to even do that, the Canucks need to improve like, a fair bit, especially along the back end, especially in terms of preventing scoring chances and goals against. So, you know, it's going to be tricky because it's always tricky when you have to get both better and less expensive at the same time. But that's absolutely where the Canucks find themselves going into this offseason, you know, on the other side of return to play. We're talking to Thomas Drance from The Athletic in Vancouver. Uh, Drancer, okay, is it going to be tricky enough that they're going to have to deal somebody like Brock Besser? I mean... They shouldn't have to, no. Like, they shouldn't have to. And, you know, I, I think there are absolutely ways to navigate this cap situation without having to part ways with a, you know, 23-year-old who's scored at the rate that Brock Besser has. And, you know, Brock Besser is an interesting case, too, because I think quietly, right, Brock Besser's game is subtle, right? Brock Besser's not the fastest guy. He's not the, you know, most physical uh, other than that shot, which is truly special, and I know he didn't have his best shooting year. In fact, he had a down shooting year for sure. Like he will, he will convert chances at a higher rate than he did this season going forward. I, I think. And when you, when you look at his shot, like he can beat NHL goaltenders when they're squared up to him. Like that's a pretty rare skill. There's not yeah. a lot of guys, yeah. even in the NHL, who can beat NHL goalies with any level of consistency when that goalie is set and squared up. And, and Brock Besser is a guy who can. Um, he's also just smart. Like, he's a high IQ 
player. His playmaking is getting better. He does a ton of subtle things. And because this sort of shooting percentage abandoned him this season, uh, I think that, you know, all of a sudden people are sleeping on just how good and how valuable he is. And, and that might include the Canucks organization too. I mean, if you look at sort of his ice time after, you know, January 1st through the balance of the season up until his injury in Calgary, you know, I, I think his usage would indicate that maybe the Canucks also sort of bought into the narrative that uh, Besser maybe was having a down year or um, wasn't as good as he'd been in those first two seasons. And, and look, I think that's wrong. I think Brock Besser was tremendous. I think he's a huge asset. And he was a huge asset on that lotto line, which, you know, generated one of the best goal differentials of any consistently used forward line in the league last season. Like, Brock's a big part of that. And, and part of it's being able to you know, be a high enough IQ player that he knows how to complement and work with Elias Pettersson. Um, you know, I think that's a huge asset for this team. So, no, look, this team has some tricky decisions. There are going to be cap issues at play. I don't think they're so significant that it's going to force the team by any means to trade a player of Besser's ilk. Um, do I think it might be considered? I mean, I do, especially if Matt Sakaris is reporting it. You know, he's a, he's a reliable reporter. He knows what he's talking about. He's got good sources. But, you know, I think that if that ends up being explored, uh, you know, on the other side of return to play, I think it'll be more about Besser's value in terms of returning the type of, you know, defensive piece the Canucks might need as opposed to it being about the cap situation specifically. Uh, transfer before we let you go got to ask you about jack rathbone uh where do you think the canucks are at with him i know he was on the station earlier this week saying that you know all, not all the cards are on the table uh not going to make a decision until i know exactly uh what that is uh where are you at in terms of uh your thoughts with rathbone do you think he's the kind of player that if the canucks were to sign him that perhaps could fight for a roster spot next year i do especially with what the Canucks' depth chart looks like on the left side of their defense. Like, I think Rathbone can help this team as soon as next season. Uh, you know, we're going to enter this three-day window between Monday and Wednesday in which player, our teams can sign players that they've drafted but aren't signed yet to deals that burn a year of their entry-level contract, uh, pay them out a signing bonus at the start of the next league year and permit that player to compete in the NHL for the start of the 2020 21 season um considering that rathbone's an ivy league player and the ivy league will not compete in the fall you know i do think this is lining up to give the canucks their best shot to sign a guy who you know i I think certainly um you know may may other may in normal situations be a little bit more reluctant to leave his family on the east coast uh, and to join the Canucks organization than you typically expect, especially from an organization in Vancouver that has done a tremendous job making sure that they get their college players signed over the years, uh, with Demko, Hughes, Godet, uh, Besser, all being sort of evidence of that. So, look, I think the Canucks have earned the benefit of the doubt in terms of their ability to get guys signed. I would expect them uh, to put on the press, as it were, uh, when that window opens on Monday. And we'll sort of see what, you know, Jack, his family, and his representatives decide to do here. Uh, But I do think that in the event that he doesn't sign, you know, that would be, for me anyway, just considering sort of the unique circumstances as they lie today, uh, you know, I I do think that would be a pretty bad sign in terms of, you know, the Canucks overall sort of handicapping their actual ability to get him under contract. 
for me, I would take it as a blow yeah. um, if the Canucks aren't able to do that in the next four days. Yeah, well, especially if he's not playing hockey in the fall or at college. I mean, hmm, what is he telling you at that point? Uh, Drancer, yeah. great stuff. As always, you are number one atop the power rankings, athletic power <laughs> rankings for me. I don't care what JD well, says. You. You're always number one in my heart, although Harmon <laughs> might be uh, that next week when we have him on as well. But uh, I like to pump your tires while you're on here nonetheless. Oh, I appreciate it, boys. Have a good show. <laughs> yeah, I thought All right, okay. that's Thomas Trance. Thanks, bud. Thomas Trance from The Athletic in Vancouver. We're way up against it, so let's unpack on the other side, all right? I like that Rathbone stuff at the end there as well. Yeah, it's all right. All right, uh, on the other side, we'll unpack some of that. We'll also get to some of your questions because we are going to open the mailbag and the phone lines for the 2 o'clock hour just for you guys. Keep it locked. It's rink-wide. It's the show that always scores right here on TSN 1040. You're listening to Rink-wide on TSN 1040. Here's Jamie Burke and Andrew Watton. I gotta tell you, Matt, I'm just looking at an eagle soaring above the sky. Just so like majestic. you, Matt. You know, you'd think you'd almost had an eagle on your shoulder on a nice blue sports coat. <laughs> can you please clip So majestic. You, can you just please clip the so majestic and then put it on our hotkeys, by the way? <laughs> Amazing. So majestic. Now we, I do I do have those it. eagle noises on hotkeys as well. You gotta have those handy. Because you know Matt, when he gets all excited about the Eagles. Oh, yeah. I mean, right? they're, they're pretty majestic, um, I've been told. Maple Leaf Dave from the British Properties is the caller that, uh, that, that, that wound Sakaris up there. He's a good uh, he's a good egg, Maple Leaf Dave. Dave, that is, not Dave. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> shocker that Wadden is a fan. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's from my uh, my tribe, the, uh, the the Maple Leafs uh, tribe there. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, honestly, I don't. I think the British properties thing is uh, is is BS actually. And what so do you the, mean? maybe the, I don't think he actually lives there. Oh, yeah, I don't care. I mean, if you're living in the British properties, what the hell are you doing calling in at TSN 1040? Yeah, right. I mean, you yeah, got better fair. things to do, like going to your yacht. Yeah, making the world worse. Oh, those are people that you don't like. That's right. Okay. Uh, just add that up to a f- another person on the list for J.D. Burke. Okay, so uh, let's talk about what uh, Drancer was talking about there. Uh, the Rathbone stuff. Pretty, yep. I like that. Also like the fact that, you know, uh, hey, listen, I know you did mention, or was it you or was it Dollywall? I can't remember. I, you know my memory. Um, that not to panic if Rathbone doesn't sign, well, but this is when, when you hear not, that, you know, with the Ivy have- League not playing hockey in the fall... Well, the ECAC Hockey Association, which is a conference that Harvard plays in, they put out a memorandum yesterday as well that I saw, which kind of muddied the picture. It didn't make anything more or less clear. Uh, It just kind of threw some additional context. I think that they're trying to push back against this decision, as I understand it. But ultimately, I think the the meat of that conversation and what Drant said was true, that this is when the Canucks are going to have the most leverage, period. There's never going to be a window that is as fortuitous to the Canucks' fortunes as this one. Now, I think one factor that we've all underestimated, and I certainly throw myself into that group, is proximity to his brother, his brother Teddy. I mean, we talked... He he stayed in high school, right, to... Was it high school? Yeah, he he, he did an additional year of high school when he could have gone to Harvard in his draft plus one season to be with his brother Teddy. And coming across the continent in the midst of a pandemic away from his brother... Oh, I, I just don't know. I mean, then again, he won't have to join the Canucks, I suppose. But even still, the geographical barrier is a real factor. And it's also a factor where the organization has a lot of trust built in between Jack Rathbone and his representation 
and the former director of amateur scouting in Vancouver. Like, he helped foster that relationship, Judd Brackett. Yep, yep. And now there is that intermediary force that is taken out of the picture. So it's an interesting set of dynamics at work here. Boy, I could see this uh, being a big topic of discussion over the next yeah. little while. Just, you know just how watch we like him to go to like, <laughs> watch him go to Minnesota or something, <laughs> well, that's, right? Yeah. Was, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, so uh, I, I don't think that's going. If he doesn't come to Vancouver, I think that proximity to his brother is going to be a significant factor in driving his decision. Uh, as I mentioned, guys, uh, we're going to dig into the inbox. We're going to get some of your questions. We're also. Uh, uh, gonna take, uh, phone calls if you guys wanna call in as well. 604-280-1040 or 844-876-1040 is the toll free line. Uh, live at tsn1040.ca is email. Text, text us at 104040. Uh, you can also tweet at us. I'm at Andrew Wadden, W-A-D-D-E-N, and at J. Dylan Burke. We'll take all your questions next. Uh, it's your time to shine here on Rinkwide. Yep. Coming up next, your calls, your text, your emails. Your carrier pigeons, whatever, we'll answer it. Yep. Right here, rink wide, show that always scores, TSN 1040. You're listening to Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's JD Burke and Andrew Watton. Welcome back to Rink Wide, the show that always scores. Andrew Watton, and JD Burke here with you until 3 o'clock, and then JD, I'm out of here, buddy. Yeah. For a week. Cool. Back next Saturday with you. I don't yeah. take Saturdays off. I, I I enjoy our time, our bonding time, JD. Don't you together? Does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, this, like this taking all the ammunition that we get through the week and then just. You would not right believe. You. Actually, maybe you would, Croker. How pissy Wadden got this week? Nah. Like I made a little intern joke and nah. just. Every text, but that it's I not thought, a good joke. I mean, it's I, not a good joke. I I'm mean, a made man. I'm a made man. You, and, and you want to try and, and make baby like dragon a thinks it's funny. No, baby dragon doesn't even know who you are. You know that. That made man. That's so good because I'm picturing like Goodfellas and, yes. uh, and JD is Joe Pesci's character. Yes, exactly. And one day he's going to think he's being made by going into Trevor's <laughs> office. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's not going to happen. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it works so well. Yeah. Croker, yeah. man. Uh, that's why he's so good. You're that's, De Niro because you're, you're, trans, right you're transplanted, so you're not like pure Vancouver yeah. made, yeah. but yeah. still good enough. Oh, oh no. Man. He, he's still Croker. all about oh. Toronto. Croker still coming in with the fire. Toronto. No, no, no. No, but it's just funny. Like you, you were so upset this week, and no, I was like I messaging with Dolly World, and we were having a, a good little laugh. We were like, "Oh, we got him now." Yeah, but he, see, so the joke's on you because Dolly Wall and I are really good friends. Yeah, same. He thinks yeah, I have well, the best I mean, sideburns I, I, in the I, business. You know, he said the worst when he was on uh, oh, Sports Saturday. We're gonna today. have to talk about that. I thought Dolly World was my boy. Yeah. Uh, let's get updated on the poll question today. Who's more annoying? We asked you. <laughs> <laughs> We've been wanting to do this one for a little bit, yeah. so we a little wow, self serving, but we don't care. Look, uh, the, that's what the, she said. Uh, JD Burke and Matthew Sakaris. The are water the... was cold. <laughs> <laughs> a little Seinfeld joke for you. Uh, uh? I was changing, mom. Yeah. Uh, who's more annoying? JD Burke, Matthew Sakaris. 684 votes are in, and JD Burke, you're leading with 51.5%. Well done. Well done. We'll see Hell if you yeah. can, we'll see if you can hold that up. There's still 23 hours to go. So. Uh, we'll see if you can take that one home. Uh, if you guys miss any of the first hour, we'll have the podcast up at the end of the show. Just head over to where you find your podcasts, and it'll be right there waiting for you. And you can enjoy your Saturday, maybe your Sunday, perhaps your Monday, whenever you give it a listen. You will enjoy yourself. Uh, 
We're taking phone calls, 604-280-1040, 844-876-1040, toll-free. Your time to shine right here. It's the mailbag edition of the show. We do this, what, once a month kind of thing? Once yeah. A, yeah once every six weeks or something and like usually that. Usually I would charge to let people talk to me over the phone, and I would charge a pretty penny at that. But You a, usually pay people when you you do those late-night uh, yes. 800 call things? Yeah. No, All but right. uh, no, it's 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 great. I love the, the <laughs> engagement between our audience, um, and I know that they're eager well, to have okay. their voice. Let's heard. start with this, because this is quite interesting. You know what's great for a hangover? A box of popsicles. I, I, <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> maybe it's a Seinfeld joke because I just made one. Maybe. Maybe. I, 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 I do know my Seinfeld. Here, here's another one right here. Well. J.D. Burke yeah. is the Dennis Rodman of radio. Yeah, but that, like, we're, anyway. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Jordan and Langley is here. Jordan, uh, what's on your mind today? What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, with the poll question, I'm going to go with Matt. And I think it's just because we hear a lot more of Matt yeah. on the radio. Yeah. If, yeah. if JD had four hours a day, uh, I think it's a runaway. I would probably kill um, myself, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the the whole Besser situation, I just can't believe it. It's mm-hmm. it's been bugging me for a long time. It, it's been it's bad news that everybody knew was coming, and it just even the discussion of this Benning should just go to the chopping block for this even being a possibility. Unless we can get back a stud defenseman, I don't understand how you make this trade. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Well, thanks for the uh, – and by the way, uh, Matthew Sakaris is a made man as well. That's why you hear him so much on the station. Because people that are made men on the station, you hear them a lot, unlike uh, J.D. Burke. But uh, go ahead, J.D. Burke. Yeah, three of the five most listened to. Um I, I think it's interesting because I don't necessarily know if the Brock Besser conversation is entirely driven by financial concerns, if that makes sense. Well, I'll tell you what. He did mention the, the stud defenseman coming back, and yeah. I know there's been I, those... I think what they're looking for is if, finding if, a way to get a stud defenseman, and they're looking at their roster. They're going, who is the most, uh, I hate to use this word, but disposable asset among their, their core group? Mm. And I think if you look at that group, one might reasonably surmise that Brock Besser is that player. Yeah, because you're not trading Tanner Pearson no. for a, a good defenseman. Yeah, and no offense to Tanner Pearson. Yeah, what are you going to get he's a nice for, player. for Tanner Pearson? Like, yeah, but he's, His contract is even closer yeah. to expiring than it was when the Canucks acquired him. And when they acquired him, they did so for a player who was one contract away from being on a PTO. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who, who was shipped out for a sixth-round pick less than a year later. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's one of those situations where... That's that's really all that they've got for tradable assets, right? Uh, and and it's unfortunate. I think one might look at this situation and say, well, if they handled their salary cap better, perhaps they could take on a bad contract with a draft pick and use that. Well, we had to that trade in, for a defenseman. We had right? that before the um, the draft last year. Wondering how they're going to weaponize all the cap space they have, and then they turn around <laughs> and then they and then fill it right up. And don't get me wrong, like as as uh, well, they sure did weaponize it. They just ended up cutting the wrong uh, wrong yeah. direction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong, too. The you know they added some with uh, uh, JT Miller, but I mean that's proven to be a pretty good ad for them. Although yeah. I still push back on the cost, but we're, that's not what we're, we're getting into mm-hmm. right now. Okay, uh, mailbag time. And also phone calls if you guys want to get in. 604-280-1040-844-876-1040. Toll free. Uh, let me see. i got to pull it up here, J.D. So let me, oh, there it is right there. Okay, so let's start with this one. This from, comes from Taj. Do you <laughs> Friend think, of the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the agenda setter yeah. is what uh, Drancer calls him. 
Yeah. I love me some Taj. Uh, Taj 1944. Do you think Rathbone will end up with Brackett in Minnesota if he doesn't sign with the Canucks in no. this three day window? No, because of what I said. Like, obviously, the relationship between those two sides, it's well established that it's a good one. Uh, but if he doesn't sign in Vancouver, ultimately, I think the driving factor is going to be the proximity between him and his family who live out on the East Coast and he wants to, uh, wants to stay close to his brother. That's what I think is going to be the driving factor there. And Minnesota... You, like know, you don't think Vancouver's done anything wrong in this situation, right? No, no. I yeah. think that Vancouver... Look, he, he was so loyal to the Canucks when I spoke to him in Boston mm-hmm. because they were the one team that didn't blink at his developmental path. Yeah. Every team that he spoke to at the draft said, can we talk you out of this? Can we talk you into going to even the USHL next year? Can we talk you into foregoing a year of high school? What can we do to change your development path? There was one team that didn't. It was the Vancouver Canucks. Okay, this one comes from at Doug Wass. Uh, would you, why would Judd Brackett take the same job with another team? I thought he'd be <laughs> looking for an assistant GM position. Honestly, when I, uh, this is a fair question. It I is. Thought the same it thing. is. Well, it, I think it speaks to the level of misinformation that's been put out there by certain uh, voices within this market about what his, his desire ultimately was. And, and frankly, this goes back to the fact that Judd just wants to do his job. Like, Judd just wants to have the same level of autonomy that he enjoyed under Trevor Linden, and he's going to get that in Minnesota. You know, this wasn't a power grab. This wasn't him trying to wrestle away control of draft picks from Jim Benning. This was him wanting the same level of autonomy that produced successful results when Trevor Linden was with the team. I don't know if you can answer this, but was there a relationship beforehand with with Garen and and, uh, Brad? Not directly. Not directly, but as I understand it, Trevor Linden and Bill Guerin are okay. close. I think, in fact, it was Thomas Drance who reported that, so I want to give him credit because he's the one who broke that part of the story. Gotcha. But ultimately, as I understand it, it's just, look, jobs are scarce. Yeah. Minnesota came in and put the full court press on. Simple and an, as that. And, and, and a good situation there, too, like to be able to revamp their poor drafting over the last few years. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it would be a good situation. Well, and, good and feather the, in his cap, for sure. The interesting thing about this this challenge, too, is you look at Minnesota. This is a team that's languished in purgatory, mm-hmm. seemingly, yeah. since they joined oh, the league. Oh, and, and they're carrying around Parise and Suter uh, contracts. Like, don't get me wrong. Ryan Suter's still a very good player. Yeah, but he's still top fair. There's but five years left of yeah. those deals. Here's the, the thing about this challenge that is going to be so unique. How do you find elite talent without high first-round picks? And he's going to have to find a way. That's the challenge in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Kaprizov might be one of the only guys that they've found sort of deeper in the trap, at least over the last three or four. I I think that Alexander Kovanov is going to be a a hell of a player. And you know what's funny? There's a bit of a Vancouver tie-in there, too. Okay. Ryan Beach, when he was writing at Canucks Army, uh, when he was doing the prospect profiles, he was writing glowingly about Alexander Kovanov, too. A little shout-out for uh, a a former peer of mine. There you go, Beecher. uh, uh, how about this one then? Because this is right up your alley as well, and we're also kind of uh, talking about Russian players as well. Uh, what do you think the ceiling for Vasily Podkolzin is? Can you read the question as it was originally written by our dear friend, the Quad Father? Hey, whoa! What do you think the ceiling <laughs> for Vasily Podkolzin is? I didn't actually even realize it was Dave that uh, that wrote it. So uh, we, we call we call him the Quad Father okay. on this program. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, uh, I I think that he can be a approximation of what Mark Stone brings to the NHL level like an elite two-way defensive player on the wing who drives value through the neutral zone, is unrelenting, has one of the best motors in the sport. His, his hands are good. I think he is owed far more in the points column than he has ever been given. 
based on the way that he plays, based on the chances that he produces, like this is a hell of a player. And he he can be a top of the lineup piece. I really believe that. I think it's going to need some some work perhaps on his skating. I think he could improve there. It's not as bad as some give credit, or sorry, as some would have you believe rather, but there's room for some some work, some refinement as a as a skater. I also think that his hands could stand to improve, if ever so slightly, his puck skills. But in terms of the, the, the skill set that he has, the way he can find players through layers, the way that he can distribute through traffic, his unrelenting net drive, he plays like a power forward with a phenomenal two-way impact. These are very rare players, and I think the, the Canucks and their fans are going to love watching this kid play. Okay, well then, how about uh, Nils Hoaglander then? Because there are some that are right now that are like, hey, listen, guys, we're good because Pod Colson's coming, Hoaglander's coming, we're going to create this almost super team, but like, yeah, yeah. Let, let's, let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit because the Pod Colson analysis feels like it's right up his alley. Like, not a superstar, but yeah. a good player. Like well, very, I, I think he could be a superstar. Well, okay, let's say all-star then. Yeah. Because you know, there's the that, there is that tier. And I really do. I okay, think so he's a hell of a What prospect. about Hoaglander then? Where I don't think much less of, of Niels Hoaglander. Wow. Like, I had him ranked 19th overall going into his draft year, and frankly, that's, that's as I understand it, not far off from where the Canucks had him on their board as well. Okay. So you're looking at a situation where he's going to play a different game. He's going to be more about skill, but he can also fight back, man. Like the thing I love about Niels Hoaglander is is I've made this this point before. He's like somebody in a jail yard. He picks out the biggest player on the opposing team and just tries to to maim them. Tries to decapitate them. <laughs> he's been suspended so many times and he's 5 foot 9. World Juniors. World Juniors. Yeah. SHL, the yeah. Alsvenskan. These are all leagues where Main he's streak. And he's not yeah. huge, so No, yeah. he's yeah. 5 foot 9. Yeah. And yeah. the funny thing about it too and oh man, I I I feel like some people are not going to be happy about me sharing this, but when I talked to him about it, I'm like, Niels, you've got a hell of a, a mean streak within you. Like, I was talking about before the World Juniors in October when he took like a, a com like just a kamikaze elbow to somebody's head and knocked him out of the game and got suspended for five matches. I said, well, where does that come from? And he just laughs. He's like, ah, I, sh I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but he's laughing. Like that's I, I kind of like that about him. That's how he's going to survive as a five foot nine player going to the tough areas, playing along the half wall, like. This this kid is talented. He really is. And I think that he could be a middle six, high-end player on the wing for this team. All right. Uh, speaking of middle six, this question comes from Dental Damnation. And he's got the ultimate warrior as his avatar, which is kind of cool. Yeah, totally. Uh, what chance do you think there is that you, you, know, you don't like that? You're not, yeah, anyway. That's like my era of wrestling. That's what I remember is that him and the Macho Man. I, I'm an Attitude Era guy. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. It's from uh, the 90s. After your time. You know, I'm a 90s guy, though. Yeah, you know, totally, yeah. totally, for sure. Okay, what chance do you think uh, there is that Stetcher and Vertanen both take hometown discounts given their family situations? I think it's extremely likely. Wow. Yeah, I know, and I, 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 I think don't. Louis Erickson is going to walk away <laughs> from all of his salary. I think that Brandon Sutter is going to retire this offseason. <laughs> no, 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 they're going to trade him for McDavid. Uh, yeah, I think that Jay Beagle <laughs> is going to demand. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Enough so, of the condensation. The condensation? Or you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Condescending. <laughs> yes, I know what you're saying. Condescend. Condescension. <laughs> yeah, there condescension. You go. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't think that. Look, we we love to to place these values onto the players. Like, please make the job of the GM easier, please, because I like watching you play hockey. I don't yeah, think like it's Stetcher, fair. Stetcher's not gonna. Yeah. I don't like, think it's fair. Like, why why should Troy Stetcher or Jake Vertanen take a haircut when they just watch Jay Beagle get four years as a mid thirties fourth line center? Yeah. That's that's the problem with these contracts. And, and honestly, a lot of people, it, it, it's about precedent. 
But it's it also, about setting a bar within your internal salary structure. Yeah, and like your, your agents, not you're like how old are these guys? They're still really young. Like yeah. your agents going to go like, what are you? What are you crazy? Like, this is your chance to make. See, this is the one thing that that I think some people don't understand with you know hockey players, pro athletes. Like their windows are only so uh, small. Yeah, and and they've got to make money. Like, well, here's here's what every player in the league is looking to avoid: being the next Kevin LeBanc. And do you yeah. remember Kevin LeBanc last bucks. year? Yeah, he goes. How many gonna, goals did he get again? Yeah, like, I'm going to take a haircut because <laughs> I think that this team can contend. Yeah, now we're there. <laughs> and now, <laughs> now where is Kevin LeBanc? Yeah. Now where are the San Jose Sharks? Yeah, like, is Kevin LeBanc going to get a? Two, three million dollar contract. Even now? if they had a handshake arrangement between Kevin LeBanc and Doug Wilson, mm-hmm. what are the odds that he has it within him to honor that handshake arrangement right now? Because you know what? If it comes down to it, I think Doug Wilson is more concerned about his livelihood than he is doing right by Kevin LeBanc. And that's not a shot at Doug Wilson. I think everybody in his shoes would feel the same way. I like this one. Uh, at least I like the handle. At Hockey Badger. Should the Canucks target LTIR players such as Kessler to alleviate their cap crunch? If so, how much do you think they'd have to pay in this type of deal? Can they take on? Oh, yeah. Uh, no. I think in a different circumstance, maybe a different maybe. year. Can maybe. You, can you read that one to me again? Okay, like I'm, I'm just trying to... Should the pro- Canucks target LTR player, LTIR players such as Kessler... To alleviate right, right. their cap crunch, so I, I, I guess similar to what the Leafs did with, um, I think they, they I, have well, Clarkson's contract yeah, back they, again. Scared the hell out of me. I, I th- absolutely scared. I the hell don't out think of me. it alleviates anything really. What it does is it grants you flexibility that you might not otherwise have in the off season. Yeah, it doesn't alleviate anything. What it does is it it shifts parts around your roster to allow for spending at a, a certain point throughout the offseason. It's not as if, you know, by putting him on LTIR, they've created an additional $8 million in, in cap space. It's quite the opposite. It just enables them to activate LTIR in the offseason. Oh. So I, I, I yeah. don't see it. I don't I, see it. I like this one. This comes from uh, Pete is Neat. Another cool handle. I like that. Would you rather have a 2011 Stanley Cup or would you rather, I guess we could say, like the morning show? Mm-hmm. Or have, and I know you would lay down your life for this guy, yeah. Elias Patterson. This is preposterous. Players are a means to an end. I like the question. Answer it, Burke. Well, I am. I'm pointing out that players are there to achieve the goal of winning a Stanley Cup. So I know, but you can only have one or the other. Like, say yeah, they- so you would rather have the Stanley Cup. Okay. That's all you have to say. Like, I, I, you don't get I freak know, out about it. I'm not freaking out. All right. What a, now I have too much energy. That's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's so just Stanley no, Cup. There, there's Stanley no Cup. winning here. So so 2011 Cup, and now you've got Cody Glass. Let's say. Sure. So you're okay with that? Yeah. All right. Nice. I like that. Pete is neat. That's a cool handle. Uh, which young defensive prospect would actually be worth trading Besser for? And this comes from uh, Kyle N six six six. Oh, I like that handle too. I bet. Well, I, I don't really know. Like, uh, I don't think that this team is looking for prospects. I think that this team is looking to activate its contention window. Well, okay, maybe a prospect that's like ready to like like maybe a Jake, ready to get maybe in a Jake, Jake Bean, Bean, but yeah. maybe that's yeah. too rich. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I I don't know if I would do Brock Besser for Jake Bean straight up. No, if you're the Canucks, you want more. No, coming you, back. you would want a heck of a lot more. Yeah, but what so, if it's Jake Bean in a first? Then that that gets interesting. You start thinking about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remind mean, me I, again what, what which hand is Jake being left or right? He is a lefty. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, what about Dumba though in Minnesota? I know that's, 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 I know, I know that's I keep, the one everybody keeps going to. That's the one that I keep coming back to. That would make the most sense. I don't know if the Canucks could pull that off by just dangling Brock Besser. I think it would require more than that. I really do. I mean, Matt Dumba is a high-end offensive defenseman, can play tough minutes. Like Those players are very difficult to acquire. Uh, this comes from at title is HT. Okay. If you were the owner of an unnamed NHL team that had missed the playoffs for five years in a row, was a max cap team, <laughs> may have to trade one of the young stars because of the multiple bad contracts on the books, traded away draft picks like candy, would you consider hiring a new GM? I think... Uh, this one's not so veiled. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I'm never especially comfortable with talking about firing people. Like, I, I, you know, maybe I'm just thinking about myself and how many people call for my head, like, every other day. Yeah, like me every Monday when I'm yeah. in Trevor's office. Like, I've got to get rid of this guy. Getting the debriefing on what I've done <laughs> this weekend. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I, to be honest, I, I don't think that's fair for like I, I don't think it's fair according to my propriety. Well, no, just break down everything he yeah, said like, there. Like, I, if it I doesn't necessarily have to be. If I were in Francesco's cho- shoes, then yeah, I yeah. would. I would have hired somebody. Like, else it's kind of now. amazing that he's made it all the way through this. Well, far. how many times did Dave Nonis get to miss the playoffs? Yeah. How many times yep. did Mike Gillis get to miss the playoffs? Well, we'll see now. Like, I mean, they're they're technically are they in? Do, I, the, it's so. Uh, is confusing. the qualifying round playoffs? Because I heard something like. I think if, statistically it counts as playoffs. Because Drancer, I tweeted out that, yeah, statistically they work, but if the Canucks lose, they keep their draft picks still. It's getting more... They're calling it the postseason. Right. Yeah. Right. But, not the, but then it's the playoffs. Okay. You know, it's weird. It kind of seems like the NHL is making this up on the fly. Oh, yeah, you think? <laughs> kind of like it's all not real, eh, JD? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, kind of like Coker's it's fake. Coker's on it today, man. Yeah, Holy. yeah. And I'm pounding the table. Uh, okay, uh, we got some more time here. What contract can they afford in a trade if they throw in Vertanen as a sweetener? That comes from Sapos Crushers. I like that, too. Oh, that's a... People that's got some cool names. Like, I got to change mine. I, I just think that you're easily impressed. <laughs> What I, I mean, I'm at Andrew Wadden. Like that's yeah, boring. It's, it is. You know? Yeah. So I could the, be even so more the, boring and be Jay Dylan Burke. So is the content. But um, who the hell calls you Dylan anyway? Your mom, I guess. Yeah. I. I yeah. Before I was writing, I'd go by my middle name. All but, right. Uh, anyway, I don't really know. Like I, I think that everything we have based our idea of of cap cost to right. Like I used to model this, and and basically the number that I arrived at. <laughs> because this was the most frequently arrived at number in trades was 4.2 million adds up to about a fourth round pick. How does that work in a flat cap environment? Yeah. And, and of course that was just based on the precedent set. Like I'm not some statistical savant or anything. I was just looking at trades, looking at what happened. And that seemed to be the, the range where most teams were comfortable trading salary. But then you look at the, the Patrick Marlowe deal that was 6 million for one year. That cost a first-round pick. First-round pick. Now, what do you think those prices <laughs> are in a flat cap <laughs> right? environment, oh, right? Wow. Like, th- it, there's s- nobody knows. Nobody has a clue. 
want to thank uh, everybody for your questions. I know there was a whole bunch we weren't able to get to. If we were doing a podcast, we would have done them all. But we do have a clock that we have to adhere to, and we do have a guest coming up on the other side. I do like a couple of things in the inbox here. Uh, this is unsigned, but it's brilliant. The Simple Sign Solution. Sign texts, people. The Simple Solution. Signed Rathbone's brother, too. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I like that And one. then also unsigned. I think it's the same guy, actually. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, stop steaming up the windows, JD, says Juan. <laughs> I like that one. Well done. Uh, thanks, uh, guys, for your input on the other side. Amanda Stein, she is the New Jersey Devils in-house reporter. We are going to get up to date on, well, why did the Devils hire Lindy Ruff to be their new head coach? And why did they pass over Lawrence Gilman as their new GM? All that coming up. Rinkwide, show that always scores. TSN. I guess right now we should start the show. Now, more of Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Rink Wide on TSN 1040, J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. We're going to be joined by Amanda Stein of the New Jersey Devils. We're going to be talking. What the hell are you doing? Well, you look busy. Why do you always do that? Why do you always shoot me down, Andrew? One chair, two chair. Why do you always shoot me down? One chair, two chair. Jason, was I not filling in ably? Welcome back to Rink Wide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke, Amanda Stein from the uh, New Jersey Devils, in-house reporter, going to join us in just a moment here. A little bit of a mix-up there with the uh, contact information between the producer and I, JD, as you jumped all in there. Look, are y'all bird hut now? Y'all, yeah? Oh, uh, you I want thought, a hug? Can we come over and give you a hug? I thought he was doing a good job. No. I, I really thought that I was. <laughs> Amanda Stein coming up uh, from the New Jersey Devils, as mentioned. And the reason why we have an Amanda on today, we've had her on before. Yep. She's fantastic. Used to uh, cover the Montreal Canadiens as well, now doing uh, great work uh, with the New Jersey Devils. Um, but, yeah, when we want to go down to Jersey, we always go and talk to Amanda, and they're making news this week. Lindy Ruff. They sure are. The new head coach of the New Jersey Devils, which uh, when I saw that come down, I said it earlier in the show, I I went really like Lindy Ruff is 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 the guy like Tom Fitzgerald it, doesn't surprise it's me as the GM like if they if they were looking to save money on Peter Laviolette for example right could they have not have gone the Ricard Gronberg Why route or or like a, a Mike Hastings but is route there, is there or that much difference between Peter Laviolette and Lindy Ruff's contracts like really yeah I would think so Lindy Ruff is fighting to get. You don't have any salary cap with your coaches. Spend! Well, that's easier said than done. We're in the midst of a pandemic, which is just completely running havoc on the businesses of of all these owners. They're principal businesses, right? Where these used to be hobbies, they are now supposed to be breadwinners, right? And so I, I, I get the teams are tightening up their, their purse strings. I get that. I suppose, but if, it, if, if it's a difference between a couple hundred thousand dollars or yeah. if it's a difference between a million. I could see it being a million. Okay, that I can see. I could see it being a million. I mean, look at what Peter Laviolette did in, in Nashville. Look at oh, how he's had success. Don't get me wrong. Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Taking two, two teams in the last decade to, uh, well, I guess the Flyers were just on the uh, other end there, but taking two teams to the Stanley Cup pretty recently too, right? Like that's going to come with a significant price tag. When you look at the roster of the Devils, um, you know some 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 really good young players, but also some interesting ones. I mean, the the PK Subban contract is 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 a tough one, mm-hmm. but only two years left on it after uh, this year. 
The P.K. Subban one? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you at with P.K. Subban anyway? You know, there were some concerns coming out of Nashville that he couldn't move anymore. Yeah. And and I think that he bounced back to a certain degree this year in, in New Jersey, but perhaps not to the degree that they needed and mm-hmm. perhaps not to the degree that they expected. I still think it was a really reasonable bet considering they didn't really part with anything in terms of an immediate asset on their roster, but... You know, sometimes those bets don't work out. Yeah. And and you know what? Maybe he's he's on the, the trajectory of returning to that previous form, and perhaps next year he'll be even better. Who knows? Well, we'll ask Amanda we'll Stein now. We'll ask Amanda Stein. Yeah, Amanda joins us now. Amanda, thanks for taking time on a Saturday to join us here on Rinkwide. And uh, I don't know if you heard that discussion right there. We were talking about uh, P.K. Subban, and just I was asking my colleague, J.D., uh, his thoughts on, on P.K. and the season that he's had and where his career is sort of headed. So let's start there with you. I mean, uh, you know P.K. from your Montreal days as well. Uh, where are you at with P.K. Subban? Is he a diminishing asset right now or perhaps just a bad year? I was going to say I have this very unique perspective just because I did have, you know, I was with PK during his best years in Montreal. And I don't know that I would put him as a diminishing asset. I would just say he's a different type of asset than he was when he was in his early 20s. I think we often forget that he is an older player-ish. He's, you know, in his early 30s right now. And he has a lot of wear and tear on his body. He's played a lot of hockey. So I think when it comes to playing for the New Jersey Devils, he's in a different type of role that perhaps he's not really been used to in the past. And a lot of it is about adapting. And let's not forget also that the season that we had in New Jersey was just very tumultuous because it just felt like one thing after the other after the other sort of kept happening. And so it was very hard for most of the guys to get into a real rhythm. Well, okay, we got a new head coach now in Lindy Ruff. Yes. Uh, how did it become Lindy Ruff, the one that they ultimately decided on? Because I have to admit, I, I kind of was like, really? That's where the Devils went? It just kind of blew, uh, took me back a little bit, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, uh, you kind of echo what uh, several other people have mentioned to me when it comes to Lindy. And I, you know, I knew obviously who Lindy Ruff was having been in the league for so long. Um, but I didn't know too much about him. So yesterday was the first time when I actually got to like sit down via Zoom, obviously, and have a one-on-one with him. And the thing that I really realized is that he's a guy who's been around a really long time, but it really feels from the conversations I've had with him that there's been a shift in his mentality when it comes to working with younger players and understanding, especially in the years that he spent as an assistant coach with the Rangers, how he has to work with younger players in terms of getting to know who they are as human beings. You know, it's a different type of athlete, and I think that he really recognizes that. Um, And then the other thing that really sold Tom Fitzgerald on him is that um, Tom Fitzgerald was looking for a partner, someone to take the franchise, you know, eye-to-eye with in the next direction. And he really felt that he got that from the communication style that Lindy Ruff has, that he can be firm when he needs to, but he also has this other ability to uh, really connect with his players. And he's obviously, you know, from what he said, that he's really tried to do that with the younger players. And the one thing that kept coming up over and over again is he says, I know I have to explain why I'm making certain decisions, particularly to this new generation of players. They don't want to just be told what to do. They want to understand why they're being told to do certain things. And so 
I just, I got a really good vibe from this situation and maybe I'm biased because I work for the team, but it seems like it might be a really good fit. Jack Adams award winner, uh, what, in 05, yeah. 06 as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and J.D.? Yeah. What about the role of analytics here? Because one of the things that has come up publicly is somebody like a Gerard Gallant, for example, has a bit of antipathy mm-hmm. towards that that sort of analysis, that approach to, to the hockey game uh, itself, right? And we've heard the stories about how he threw out analytics reports in, in Florida, for example, right? And one of the yeah. things that we've heard about Lindy Ruff and his evolution as a coach is that he was actually willing to work with the analytics department of the New Jersey Devils, and he comes from a pretty analytics-savvy organization in the Dallas Stars as well. Can you maybe speak to the role that that played in in the two arriving at this conclusion? I, to be honest with you, like I don't want to say things that I don't know, so I haven't really asked about that analytics connection there, but what I will say is that as an organization, I've been there for three years now, and I've seen that department grow from one person to, you know, four people now, which might not seem like a lot, but when you, you know, that's pretty exponential for a three-year period and something that, you know, not every team is willing to embrace. But it seems like New Jersey have really, you know, bought in, whether it's uh, from a GM level, a coaching level, and even our co-managing partners are very interested in the use of analytics as well. So I think that certainly uh, having a coach that is willing to embrace that really fits within the mold of what uh, the front office has been built to do. And what about Tom Fitzgerald? Can you maybe talk a little bit about them ultimately deciding to stick with him? I mean, he had a a pretty decent debut stretch, right? He got to to guide this team through the trade deadline, ended up acquiring Yanni Kokkonen and some draft picks. Can you maybe speak to what was the deciding factor in the team ultimately handing the keys over to Tom Fitzgerald when it was all said and done? I think you really hit the nail on the head. That's what it was, is that he had this advantage where not only had he been with the team and worked with the managing partners for the last five seasons because he was the um, the assistant under Ray Shiro, when he took over for Ray, there was no um, hesitation by Tom whatsoever in terms of having an interim role and doing what a general manager is supposed to do. He, you know, he went in head first and he just, you know, kept going that way from start to finish to the moment that they took the interim tag away. You, and you mentioned it, Yanni Kokonen is one of those big things. You know, Blake Coleman, he traded Blake Coleman, who was a massive fan favorite, one of the best players on the team for what he did. And he got something incredible in return, um, including Nolan Foote. So, you just saw a calmness about the way Tom was able to navigate a lot of big moments in an NHL season in an interim basis. And I think those are things that ultimately sold the, the, the managing partners on, you know, having this trust and faith that um, Tom was guiding the franchise with an interim tag in a direction that they like. And why not give this person, this man who's really paid his dues in the league, that type of opportunity. Devils will be picking seventh in the entry draft and uh, another year without the playoffs for the Devils. Not a whole lot of uh, playoff success since uh, losing in the uh, cup final uh, way back. Um, as far as the Devils are concerned in, in, in terms of turning a corner, I mean, the time's got to be now for them. They don't want to be picking uh, top 10 anymore. How much more pressure is there on the Devils now to, and you know, Lindy Ruff would be right in that pressure cooker uh, to make the playoffs and to start, you know, making hay here with these young prospects. Well, I think there's a, a real understanding when it comes to the players that 
the time is now to make this push. There are a lot of really young leaders. I mean, you mentioned it's a young team. Like, let's not forget they're the youngest team in the league. But a lot of their young players are, oddly enough, young veterans. You look at someone like Nico Hischer. He's entering his fourth season in the league. You look at someone like Jesper Bratt, same thing for him. So they have this very interesting mix. And so they know internally the time is now. A lot of those young guys in their first year got a taste of the playoffs when they lost in five games to Tampa Bay a couple of years ago. So they know they have that taste and they know what they need to do to turn it around and want to get back there. So, you know, this is the time if you, you know, you, you mentioned it, there's Nico Heischer, there's Jack Hughes, there's upcoming Ty Smith, who's in the system, who has yet to make his NHL debut. There's Nolan Foote. The time is now for this group because they've got a really nice balance of old older players and younger players. And then you look at a goaltender like Mackenzie Blackwood, who was just absolutely outstanding this year and just turned 23. They can turn the tide, and I think they can turn it you know, pretty fast, especially in a flat or a cap-flat world because they can, we have a lot of cap space that we can take advantage of other teams who maybe are up against the cap and have to get rid of players they weren't originally thinking of doing. Well, Amanda, listen, I, I think Lindy Ruff's walking into a very good situation right now. Yeah. I wish him the best of luck. I, I was kind of hoping that our buddy Lawrence Gilman was, uh, you know, perhaps going to get that uh, GM role with the Devils. But, uh, hey, I think Always they Always has to come back they, to the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. Oh, no. Even when, no, no, even no, when no, we're no, talking no. about the Devils. LG is our buddy from out here with the Canucks during his time with the Canucks. I think they uh, made a right decision keeping Tom Fitzgerald, from what I understand, uh, really well-renowned uh, in hockey circles. But... Uh, uh, hey, listen, looks like you're going to have a, a good future ahead of you with the Devils, and uh, hopefully uh, things turn around there quickly. But uh, whenever we need to, to talk some Devils, you know we'll be calling. Or, or some Leafs, apparently. Oh, uh, yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and the Hughes brothers. Wait, I have a quick Hughes Oh, here we go. Yep, yep, you want to yep, hear yep, it? Yes, Lay it on me. Yep. Lay it on us. So, so I've had a chance to catch up with Jack a couple times over the course of the um, the pause, and I spoke to him, I, I want to say, like, two weeks ago and I said you're like how's it going like how you know he's like oh well you know I'm living here with Luke which is a younger brother and Quinn obviously everyone in Vancouver knows Quinn he's like and it's great like Quinn and I we get up in the morning and like mom's made breakfast it's great like it's like we have all our meals cooked for us I don't know why we want to go anywhere else yeah I know hey listen so it just proves that like they're kids yes you know they just want mom's cooking yeah and just happen to be damn good hockey players at the same time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey, thanks, Amanda. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too, guys. Have a great one. Amanda Stein from the uh, New Jersey Devils. All right, listen. No, let's not get to that. Let's unpack this for a moment here. They got a pretty good roster there, in New Jersey. Like they, they, they got, got they got some, some good young in place. Like Nico Heischer is nowhere near reaching his ceiling yet. No, like, he's a damn good player. And then of course Jack Hughes. Who, by the way, and it kind of went sort of under the radar all season. Like, his rookie season was just, meh. It was okay. Like, his brother's just unbelievable. Yeah. But I, I feel like not a lot of people, but I, I, I also get the sense that, yeah, we know, though. Like, Jack Hughes, is, he'll be fine. I mean. <laughs> He's going to be fine. It's it's kind of <laughs> funny, like, all this debate about Capo Caco or Jack Hughes, and I think that. Yeah, both of them had very underwhelming rookie years. Cap, Capo Caco had one of the worst rookie seasons in the salary cap. Era. But are you worried about him? I'm not. Not not quite yet. Um but interestingly it's Kirby Doc who probably had the best season of the three. <laughs> Kirby Doc <laughs> he, well Kirby Doc uh he had a a little stretch where he was just on absolute fire and then yeah. just but 
typical, yeah, he, you know, if you're rookie season. He's super young, and he's only, like, scratching the absolute surface of his potential. On the other side, we are going to answer the question that has been plaguing the inbox throughout the entire show. You want to know what that is? Well, you're going to have to stick around on the other side. Rink wide. <laughs> the show that always scores. You know what I'm talking about. TSN 10 Ford. You're listening to Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Welcome back to Rink Wide, the show that always scores. Now, J.D., we have to answer a question in the inbox. Because and it was asked- this, this person asked so nicely. Six times. Six times they asked it. Yeah. And, they, you know, they said, you know, Andrew, like, can you just do me a solid here? Do me a favor and answer this one question. I'll answer your question. I'll pose it to JD and he can answer it. What's up? Can you explain how Quinn Hughes' entry-level contract runs out after only two years? Well, it doesn't. He played games last season, so that was the first year. Five games. Yeah. Burned that year. So he burned that year. That simple. But because he played uh, fewer uh, than 10 games, he's not eligible for an offer sheet at the end of his contract. There you Similar go. to Brock Besser. So to the texter, I hope you enjoy the answer. I enjoyed your comment. I did. Not, as, quite, much, not as much as I did. Yeah, not as much as the guys <laughs> in the studio did. But it was quite nice of you to send me that. My, uh, my favorite part about that nice is... Note, especially is, since I'm off for a week. Yeah, yeah awesome. Croker and I are, are talking about this <laughs> this text message, and you're thinking like it's that super friendly joke one where it's yeah. Buddy making a joke about the con condensation or whatever and you're like ha 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 isn't that funny yeah and then and, the one up and is, then the text loads and your yeah. face just completely does a 180 some guy just digging in on me oh, because yeah. we didn't answer a pretty simple question that pretty yeah. much everybody that follows the canucks know anyway on that note want to thank all our guests today thomas drance number one in the athletic power rankings right beside Harmon dial and amanda stein from the new jersey devils the in-house reporter with the devils as she got us Updated on everything that's happening in Jersey. JD, great show. He's already got his microphone off. I'm out of here for a week. Croker, thank you, buddy. Thanks for filling in on the PM Drive for me this week. We'll see you guys again next Saturday. Especially you, not Matt Sundin. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. Open seven days a week, three blocks east of Coquitlam Center in beautiful Port Coquitlam. MetroMotors.com.